0: This audio version of HyperChange is brought to you by 4 Organic Lip Balm, started by a HyperChange subscriber. This is my favorite lip balm product. There's only four organic ingredients, jojoba oil, peppermint, beeswax, and coconut. It's getting cold. You're going to need chapstick. So head to 4organicsnyc.com and use the code HyperChange for 10% off the most artisanal and best lip balm out there. What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Mixing it up a little bit today. Wanted to show you basically an under the hood look at my personal investment portfolio, uh, what companies I'm invested in and why, how I weight my portfolio, Uh, the point of HyperChange, this channel you're watching, is for me to document my investing journey, just all my thoughts about the different technologies and startups and companies um, that I'm investing in and looking at them and the world through that lens. And so this is definitely not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. I don't recommend that you do what I do. Um, I'm an extremely risky investor. I've been investing for 12 years. I'm 26. Started when I was 14. I go extremely high risk. That's just what I like um, with an extremely small amount of companies. Um, I believe that concentration builds wealth, diversification preserves wealth. And so I'm trying to build wealth, which is why I concentrate into a very select group of names um, that I think will outperform the market, that I'm very bullish on, that I do an extreme amount of research on. So Without further ado, and that pretext, let's check out the portfolio. This is my portfolio as of today. Of course, Tesla, my number one and by far biggest position um, and company I'm most passionate about with representing 77% of my portfolio. So why am I invested in Tesla? What do I like about this asset? We have Elon Musk, a 48-year-old engineer, physicist, inventor, um, who I think is basically the Leonardo da Vinci Uh, Sort of Rockefeller Vanderbilt of our time, the ability to create amazing breakthrough inventions in technology using the framework of first principles and physics, bringing those technological breakthroughs to market in the form of consumer products. Um, I think Elon Musk is an incredible inventor. He's only 48 years old. You're looking at decades more of his innovation innovation and industry dominance. So I think getting in with one of the most exciting entrepreneurs, business people, inventors of the the century um, before they're even hitting their prime is an unbelievable opportunity. Also, I'm I'm a huge believer in investing in the future you believe in. All my investments have a big moral component and they're, they're you know, I am involved in these ideas and projects because I believe in the future that they're trying to build. And Tesla, their mission is to accelerate the transition off of fossil fuels. The bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. The entire way our society works for the past hundred years, the propulsion engine of our technology has been the internal combustion engine. Fossil fuels, oil, this is what runs every sort of transportation system, every sort of energy system in our economy. That is about to get transformed. The cost of renewable energy technology is dropping rapidly, specifically batteries, because specifically one company, Tesla, is driving down the cost of batteries, making them cost competitive and economical to compete with fossil fuels. Therefore, we Tesla is single-handedly on the cusp of inflecting first the electric vehicle industry, then the grid energy industry and energy storage industry and energy production facility um, into sustainable renewable energy. So I think this is exactly what the world needs. I'm extremely tree hugger passionate about climate change, the climate crisis, I think there's just an undeniable amount of evidence that the amount of fossil fuels that we're burning is absurdly too high. We need to reverse that extremely quickly. And so that's why being an investor in Tesla, like, yes, you know, and from a business perspective, we're looking at a company that is tackling two trillion dollar industries, transportation, energy. If they succeed, this could be a trillion dollar company, one of the largest tech companies in or energy companies in the world. Today, the valuation is around 40 or 50 billion. So you could still make, even though Tesla's huge, 10 to 20X to 30X your money, I believe, or that's my theory, if they really succeed, and at the same time, you're going to be part of this change the world desperately needs. And so, I've ne- there's no investment on the planet that I think is making more of an impact um, in in the things I care about, and that frankly is like. Exciting, man. Tesla just this company is non-stop excitement. It's fascinating. I think it's the most fascinating business case study in the world in business history that is unfolding in real time before our eyes. Why are you going to Harvard and read case studies that happened 20 years ago when you could follow this? To me this is so so interesting. Tesla, you know, their quarterly results, we're literally watching history being made before our eyes. And so Anyway, that's a little bit of the sentimental part behind Tesla, but I mean, the execution on this story has been phenomenal. I've been following the company since 2008, was actually invested in it in 2012 um, to about 2014, wrote it from 25 to about 180 a share, um, has seen this company go from 200 million in revenue to over 20 billion last year, 100x increase in less than a decade. I mean, this is one of the most rapidly growing companies we've ever seen in the history of humanity. That's just factual, and they're not building software. They're actually vertically integrated manufacturing complex goods. I mean, it's it, you cannot understand state um, what Tesla has accomplished. And then this is a company that I thought maybe a year or two ago had a five, 10, 15% chance of success. They were burning a lot of cash flow. They reliant on the capital markets and perceived solvency to continue to raise capital and, f- and fund the business. Now that the Model 3 is there, the business model has matured. Um, the company's produced positive operating cash flow for the past five quarters. We're we'll looking at an industry leading product. The Model 3 has delivered the iPhone moment. Um, you know, Software eating the auto industry has happened. Tesla's leading that revolution. Um, they almost have a fleet of a million cars on the road. Training this neural net, racing towards an autonomous future, um, and and meanwhile we have five billion in the bank, actually five point three billion as of last quarter, adding hundreds of millions per quarter. So the financial health of the company to you know get through a recession, to get through a bad quarter, um, and to invest the R and D needed to expand their product lineup and change the world is all there. And so, I think Tesla is really just a. a a chance to be a part of history. It's a chance to learn about an extremely complicated business um, and extremely fascinating disruption of technological disruption, how battery technology and making that cheaper will affect so many different industries and provide so much value. That's why I've been obsessed with researching battery technology for the past like six months. and I think I might make a whole video on just why that's so important. Um, But anyway, I think Tesla's leading there. And I think that battery technology puzzle piece is going to be reinvent the energy and transportation markets, $2 trillion opportunities. we got a $50 billion company. I like my chances. So that is Tesla. Investment number two, 11% of my portfolio. This is Bitcoin. This is um, you know a radical new way to think about money. If you think about the supply of fiat currencies, it's constantly going like this, an inflationary economic system. The supply of Bitcoin is finite, around 21 million, like an asymptote like this. We basically have two different charts of the money supply. These are two different um, philosophies when you think about financial markets, currencies, what money is inflationary system versus deflationary system, you know, the Federal Reserve run by a bunch of old rich white people, frankly, who are deciding what interest rates should be um, versus, you know, an algorithm that's Bitcoin, that's mathematically programmed. Um, I think currencies are all about trust and I think the trust in a group of human decision makers versus the, the amount of trust in an algorithm, uh, that pendulum is going to swing. That's going to be Bitcoin's beneficiary. Um, you know, the more research you do into the U.S. dollar, how the, the Federal Reserve fiat system is never really designed to make a surplus. We're just designed to continue expanding the debt in perpetuity, constantly expanding the money supply. Your purchasing power over time has been declining. Um, I just think there's never been a real competitor to a fiat currency. Um, It's just been, which country's fiat currency do you want to pick? Well, now we have a G-check on that entire fiat system. We have a new type of money that is around um, that is Bitcoin. And the reason people are like, oh, the transaction fees, we're not buying coffee with Bitcoin, so it's not working totally wrong way to think about it. This is, you know, level one. We're talking about fiat currencies moving gold between central banks, you know, settling billions of dollars of transactions. That's level one. When you swipe your credit card at a payment terminal um, at Square at your favorite coffee shop, that's like level three. That's Visa built on top of a bank, built on top of the Fed. You know, Bitcoin's still at level one and it's moving billions of dollars per day. I'd argue one of the most radically uh, successful experiments in economics of all time, put out an anonymous white paper in 2008. Now it's over $150 billion network value. Like I said, transferring 100 of thousands of transactions per day, moving billions of dollars. I mean, it's an undeniable, fascinating uh, experiment in economics. And I just think this idea that Money for the internet that's digitally native is a better solution than paper adapted for the internet. I mean, money is just a way to exchange value. We used to do, you know, shiny or used to be just be goods. You would trade stuff. Then we moved on to like t- shiny coins, you know, shiny rocks, gold, maybe backed by metals. Then we moved on to paper currencies, which were backed by metals in some safe somewhere. Then we got rid of the gold standard. So it was literally just paper currency. I guess you could say the US military is backing the value of the dollar, which is a legitimate argument. Um, but now I think, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, Part of me is like an anarchy conspiracy theorist and thinks the fiat system could collapse. But the other part of me is just like, I can't wrap my head around how fascinating Bitcoin is and this idea that money should be programmable, that it should be digitally native, that it shouldn't be controlled by a country. Um, I just think. Yeah. And frankly, when you compare it to currencies of like Venezuela or Argentina or a lot of places like the US, I mean, we take for granted how stable this currency is. I think Bitcoin is already less volatile. It's already a better store of value. It's already disrupting third world uh, financial markets and I think, or fiat systems. And I think it will only continue to gain more prevalence. Um, and if you've want to talk about a hedge against the U.S. government doing something stupid, against the Chinese government doing something stupid, um, against any sort of trust in the fiat system collapsing, I think Bitcoin could be a huge beneficiary of, of falling trust in the fiat system, and that could be a huge way to sort of hedge if that were to cause a recession. Anyway, that's sort of more of a random theory, but, you know, I'm, I've been fascinated with Bitcoin. I've been following it since it was $200, um, or actually $30, when I was at NYU, and shout out to Professor Lenahan, who showed me it, and we talked about Bitcoin for three hours. I've been hooked on it ever since, been writing about it for the NYU newspaper, bought a couple of Bitcoin around 500 per Bitcoin, sold around 17,000, one Bitcoin around 13,000, another. And so that 20 grand in proceeds and profit is what I use to get my YouTube channel off the ground, which is th- what you're watching, HyperChange. So I literally bootstrap this channel with Bitcoin profits. So I'm ex- I have a sentimental piece of my heart of Bitcoin and I have re... I've been rebuying it. Um, I think my new average is around 4000 per Bitcoin, and that is about 11% of my portfolio. Okay, I know what you're going to say. What about, you know, you care about the environment, but what about the carbon emissions of Bitcoin? Uh, You know, the pollution required, the energy needed to run the Bitcoin hashing function. So first, um, I think there's a large amount of carbon that is used to actually run the fiat system currently, so you have to take that into account, compare that to Bitcoin. And the other thing is, is just equitable currency is extremely important. Like having money that works, having a competitor, having a g-check to fiat systems is almost a priceless Uh, a necessary piece of the future of the digital economy in my opinion. And so you're going to require things that need energy and Bitcoin is just one of those things. And so I also think there's an ability to adapt the algorithm of Bitcoin to make it use less energy potentially or be less pollutive per transaction. Additionally, if you think about how Bitcoin scales with the Lightning Network with those L2, L3 solutions, those could require not be settled on the main chain, therefore not polluting as much per transaction. So I think a, there's a necessary evil, we need to spend energy to have a good currency uh, system, so that's just, you know, kind of get over it. But the second point is, like, I think the, the emissions per transaction on the Bitcoin network could fall rapidly in the future, they're not going to stagnate. So that's kind of the way I think about it, but um, yeah, I wish Bitcoin wasn't polluting as much, but the Frank. But the reality is it is, and that's also why tying into Tesla, you know, renewable energy is so important. You know, we have to invest in in batteries and solar panels um, and electric cars because the demand for energy isn't going anywhere. It's only going to increase in society, and that's why figuring out a way to make energy production sustainable is really going to solve this problem and will then take care of the Bitcoin pollution problem as well. Moving to the next part of my portfolio, 5% of my portfolio is in Startup X and Startup Y. I'm not allowed to name these startups that I invested in just because... I'm not allowed to name them yet, but you may have heard of some of them. They're not that, I mean, yeah. So I I really want to say like so much more about this, but I think I'm going to have the founders of these on Hyper Chats or on the channel soon, and then I'll be able to talk about it. But I have made two tiny startup investments, which I'm super stoked about. And that's something I want to do more and more. You know, I'm investing because I like, building the future. I like meeting crazy entrepreneurs that have ideas and are trying to build companies that change the world. And a lot of that action early, if you want to get that thousand X return happens in the series A and the seed stage of startups. And that's why I'm fascinated by that. Um, and, and, and I'm sort of, you know, the public markets are cute, but there's not that excitement happening. Nobody's IPOing early. We're getting no access to these amazing companies until it's way too late and they're way overvalued. And so that's why personally, a lot of my interest, um, is for new ideas has been in the startup world. And I've been trying to invest in startups that I find that I think are attractive. Um, my rule with startups, this is maybe gonna sound kind of dumb, but uh, excuse my French, is shit I fuck with built by people I fuck with, which is a really simple way of saying I have to love the product and I have to love the people building the product and believe in them. And I ha- and then financially, I have to think I can make 100X on my investment if it works. So those are my very loose venture angel investor parameters, um, but those are what it is. So maybe I'll be able to update you more on that in the future next asset number five position is maker 1.5% of my portfolio very tiny Um, this is one of those things I just have to learn Maker is a decentralized crypto asset, which is the governance token, actually, for a stable coin called DAI, um, which is pegged to the US dollar, which allows you to transact. DAI is very interesting. It's not just stablecoin pegged to the US dollar, but you have to actually put in assets that back that DAI. So it's sort of like a digital currency version of the gold standard, kind of. But that ass- the assets backing that DAI can change and are voted on by the governance holders of Maker. So if you own the, the Maker governance token, which is what I own, we get to decide what What assets back die, and also we get to collect these fees essentially for transacting in and out of die. Sort of a very weird asset. Um, I think the idea of a stablecoin is fascinating um, and could lead to a lot of cross-border payments and just sort of unlock a lot of value in the digital payments ecosystem. Why Maker? Um, Maker just seems to be the farthest along, the most official. A couple of my Ethereum and like crypto coder friends have said the quality of of Maker is is, like in their code and the people they have is really strong. So I trust that. Additionally, uh, Mark Andreessen, Andreessen Horowitz, um, invested in Maker, even did a follow-up offering in Maker. And sometimes in crypto assets, they'll invest in different things than you're investing in, like in Ripple. I'm pretty sure they invest in like the LLC that owns Ripple, not the cryptocurrency. But this time, Andreessen Horowitz is actually buying Maker Token, the same token I own. So remember what I said? I'm so frustrated. I can't get any any of these cool startups at an early stage. Well, Maker was an exception to that rule. I was buying into Maker at the same price as Andreessen Horowitz was. And so that fascinated me and sort of got me hooked on it. And just this weird concept of an asset-backed stablecoin, I think has huge potential. The value of the Maker project I don't know. I think it's like a billion, 600 million right now. And so I think, okay, if the glo- if this becomes a piece of the global economy, I think a stable coin could man tens of billions of dollars or the governance token could accrue tens of billions of dollars of value. So I think you do have pretty significant upside if this works, but I think the chances of Maker really getting globally accepted on a huge scale is is probably very low. So anyway, that's just more one to learn. Um, oh, back to Bitcoin, because I don't think I talked about why I think I can make money on Bitcoin, which is, I guess, an important part of this. Um, so Bitcoin today is valued at 140 billion. And there's a very limited supply, 21 million are only ever going to be mined. So how much is the global currency system worth? 84 trillion. The the value of the business of moving value is about $80 trillion, maybe more, probably growing. You know, uh, transferring value is going to be something that is desperately needed in society for years and years to come. You know, so if Bitcoin gets a bigger and bigger share of transferring value in society in a trustworthy way, big amounts of value, I mean, you could easily see this go to trillions of dollars of network value. You you know, we're talking thousands of dollars or, it's, sorry, it's already thousands of dollars, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per Bitcoin, potentially even a couple million per Bitcoin if it really goes mainstream. And um, there's a lot of crazy theories that I, of course, my conspiracy theorist in me loves about like this rapid Bitcoin FOMO apocalypse theory where central banks start buying Bitcoin um, and trust in fiat currencies collapse and central banks sort of have this FOMO and all try and buy Bitcoin at once, the price spikes, the few people who own Bitcoin get extremely wealthy really quickly, everybody who owns assets in fiat collapse. Um, which would be extremely destructive for the world and like potentially could cause a lot of chaos. But if you own Bitcoin, you're going to be safe in that scenario. So anyway, I think Bitcoin um, could be, you know, still 10, 20 X from here if it really succeeds as a global internet currency. Moving to number six, Arcimoto, um, love this little, co- this company. Um, I'm a huge fan of Mark Fromier, the CEO, who I've met a couple times, visited the factory. Um, you know, there's just something bold and unique about this company that is so, that I just so respect. They're rethinking the entire You know, how we get around from point A to B, this three-wheeled electric vehicle, the fun utility vehicle, is just a radically new, bold way to think about transportation that I really respect. It's made in America. Um, They're doing everything the right way. They've been having a growing backlog of orders, almost $100 million worth of orders. They've just gone into production to start actually delivering this vehicle. I mean, every other EV company, you know, Rivian, we're... $5 $5 to They haven't even delivered a single car. You know, all these startups are raising crazy amounts of money and Arcimoto is worth like $50 million, and they're actually about to sell cars and they have a $100 million order backlog or sell vehicles. So um, I think in terms of execution, Arcimoto has not gotten nearly enough credit. The vision is huge if this actually works. Even if they only become a niche golf cart S player selling 10, 20, 10,000, 30,000 units a year, I think the stock could have huge upside. So I think there's a lot of scenarios where if Arcimoto succeeds, the equity price increases significantly. Um, but I think there's a lot lot of risk. They, they're not making money. They're going to need a lot of capital to get to where they want to be. Um There's a lot of things that could go wrong with the production ramp, as we've seen with Tesla. So I personally, I hate to say this, but like, man, building electric vehicles or cars in general is like, I'm not convinced it's a very good business. Like, I'm not convinced any company will accrue any value in that sector besides Tesla because of their, and that's because they put billions into the factory of actually building batteries and the autonomous vehicle software. So, um, Arkimoto, I have my toe-in-the-water position. I'm following the company very closely. Actually gonna do a test ride in one of their new production units soon, which I'll post on the channel, um, but that is what it is there. Oh, Mark Fronmeier, I wanted to mention him because he's a CEO, super young, He started in the video game industry, sold his company, made millions of dollars, could have retired, didn't, instead put up his own money to start Arcimoto from scratch more than a decade ago because he actually wanted to change the world and how the transportation system worked, make it more efficient, fix the climate crisis. I mean, that's the kind of like just guts and like boldness that I just... I have so much respect for it as an entrepreneur, like knowing that there's such a low chance of success, but being like, the world needs this. So we're gonna give it a shot and put up millions of dollars of my own money, deck years, over a decade of my own life, to like so much respect for what Arcimoto is doing. So really love to be a part of that story. Snap, last investment, number seven, snap, 0.2% of my portfolio, extremely tiny position. Um, I've been posting a lot about it on the channel. I'm fascinated by Evan Spiegel. As you can see, I'm a huge, the founder is so, so important to all my investments. He's super young. I think he's brilliant. I think he's a visionary. He's an owner, operator, founder, which is a combo that I think leads to companies crushing it because the give a shit factor is so high give a shit factor if you don't know is one of the most important metrics you're not going to get taught in business school or finance or any investing class but it's the first thing i think about when i have any company i'm analyzing does the ceo give a shit is he just taking his paycheck home and working and not caring about it or does he really care about the product does he care about the mission does he care about com- you know customers and i i think if you look through the lens of that that will save you so many bad investments where the ceo just didn't care i'm elon musk I think his caring is off the charts. I think Evan Spiegel's give a shit factor is huge. He's building this in the right way, privacy-focused, not likes and comments and followers, but it's about real friends, real interactions. That's a future I really believe in, I think is needed for social media, um, and I think it's an anti-Facebook, and I think as the sentiment swings um, and people see Facebook as just, I I don't know, I, I, I think I could see a pendulum swing away from Facebook, but I do think Snap is going to have a long road um, to succeed, but if they do succeed, the company's worth 25 billion, Facebook's worth 500 billion, Snap has 200 million people using it and growing for 30 minutes a day. Uh, the amount of monetization on that attention is lagging as they continue growing it and the monetization catches up. I think Snap, even if they don't crush Facebook and don't change the world, could actually become a very big profitable business on its own. Um, and I love what they're doing with spectacles and hardware. I'm stoked to get a pair of product myself, so that's me being a little biased, but. That wraps up my review of my portfolio. I hope you all like this video, something a little bit different. Um, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to mix it up and I, I would really lo- love to know what you think. And like I said, not financial advice, please don't do this. Um, there's a good chance I lose all of my life savings and it is what it is. But um, yeah, and I think, you know, a couple tidbits I'll leave you with I guess is like, never stop learning like that's one of the main reasons i love investing i love doing this channel i love talking to all of you and reading all of your comments because i just love learning and this is you know following these disruptive technologies with their quarterly updates with the way they're changing the world to me it's there's nothing more fascinating about Anything. Like if you thought about a, a virtual world, a simulation, a video game, The Sims, um, and you were like, how am I going to learn about this world? What's happening in that world? If you could see the financial markets of that world, how those were changing, how the financial markets are saying that Tesla's worth more than Ford, even though they only sell one-tenth the amount of cars, that's not an out-of-whack valuation. That's telling you something about the way society views the future. Um, I mean, there's so much just, I don't know. I think the way the world is changing is frankly all about the biggest companies and technologies changing it. And the way to follow those companies is to really be an investor in them. And so my portfolio, as much as I'm like, I, I think it's going to make money and I think it's going to do really well, but it's it's also really about learning and just having fun. And I think that's a huge part of investing. A lot of people invest um, or think they need to invest and they kind of do it as a half-assed thing or they take their friend's stock picks or they don't try, really, or care. And I think, you know, the re- sad reality is investing is investing's like everything. You got to put in your 10,000 hours, or you're not going to be good. And so you got to have your own ideas. You got to be bold. The best investments I've ever made, Bitcoin at 500, Tesla at 29, were investments that my business school teachers said I was crazy for. Everyone thought I was insane. Thanksgiving dinners were just shouting matches sometimes about me trying to explain Bitcoin and how, why it was so exciting. And so... I don't know. I feel like there's been a lot of like lonely isolation if you want to be a real investor who has bold ideas that people don't agree with. And that's kind of what it takes. And you have to be really stubborn and see it through for years and ignore a lot of FUD. And yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think the best, I guess what I'm trying to say here, and I don't know if this is a good rule, but like the best investments I've ever made are when nobody believed in them. Like, you have to be a contrarian. If everybody believes something is going to happen already, chances are the value in that equity has already been priced in. You know, go ask a random Joe on the street if Tesla's going to take over the world and everything's going to be electric in five years. Maybe they'll say yes now because people are starting to get it, but, you know, a year or two ago, you were insane. You know, I was insane for believing the Model S was going to sell 20,000 units a year, even though Tesla said they were. They did it, and guess what happened? The stock got re-rated. And so, um, I just think you have to be bold, you have to be contrarian, you have to believe things when other people don't to really capture alpha. And so... Um, oh, another random thing that I think is super unconventional that I do is I never track my performance. So this is probably, you probably should track your performance if you're new or if you want to see how you do. but. I just think I get so much wrapped up in the ego. If my portfolio is down a bunch for the year or up a bunch for the year, I'm way over, I'm either thinking I'm way worse than I am or way better than I am. I'm bragging to my friends about my performance. Like it's just a really dumb, pointless exercise that will just have you going in circles and looking backwards and clouding your judgment. And so I never track my returns. Uh, I don't really care what how I'm doing. I mean, I bought a ton of Tesla at 180, at 200, at 220. I was buying with literally every spare dollar I had um, heading into this and that has crushed it after earnings, but I don't even care. I don't who cares about the returns. It's all about is Tesla worth holding now? Should I be adding? You know, always thinking forward. And so I don't know if that'll help you or not, but that's just a little rule I follow. Anyway, this is hyper change. Really hope you found this uh insightful and gave you some value. If you'd like to uh, comment below with what your portfolio is or any radical ideas you have, would totally love to hear them. This is HyperChange. Huge shout out to our Patreon supporters, producers, fun in the channel, and you watching the channel because this is my full-time job. And this year, I sl- finally got to save up a little bit of money, add to my portfolio, buy Tesla, roll my snowball. Really exciting. And that's because you guys are making this channel a reality and it's actually a real job I can have and do this investing. And so thank you so much. Like, really, really appreciate that. Anyway, I'll see you guys next time. Peace.